Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the Haiku Chronicle podcast. I'm Patricia, your host, and as you know, I'm doing my best to learn about and practice haiku and senryu and sharing those lessons with you. If you're one of the Chronicle community, no, you've not heard wrong, it is episode 39. Last week, I missed an episode because I found myself unexpectedly in hospital for a week. Most unpleasant. Thanks to all of you who, knowing my plight, sent me messages of support, and particularly Giddy and Sue, who wrote me some lovely haiku and senryu to cheer me up. It definitely helped. As you can imagine, I'm a little behind with replying to all your messages. I'm sorry, but it's going to take a little while for me to get on top of that. I'm still a little bit poorly. This week, I'm going to be looking at the technique described as narrowing the focus, sharing what I've written using that technique, And then we have two poets to go and visit with. One, new to the Chronicle, Su Wai Hlai, originally from Burma, but now living and working in Singapore, and Niko Takahashi, one of our regulars from Japan. I'm looking forward to reading you their work. I was thinking about our growing community the other day, and I realised that we've come from so many parts of the world, except South America. Now, if anyone knows of haiku and senryu writers on that continent, let me know and I'll try and make contact. And coincidentally, the Haiku Foundation Daily Haiku for August is featuring Spanish haiku writing. have to say, I'm quite enjoying it. And in more news from the community, congratulations to Sue and to Roger Watson, who've been featured in Manichi. Alan Summers is doing something I'd really love to do, He's the poet-in-residence at Oppo on the Park, a coffee shop in the city of Bristol in the UK. Alongside serving coffee, juices, etc., Alan is spreading the joy of haiku with his customers. What a terrific idea, Alan, and if I'm ever in Bristol, I'm coming in to visit. And Mark Gilbert has set me thinking. He wrote to me that he enjoys the interplay of rules and technique with other things, such as tone, drama, and trying to say something but wonders, and I'm putting words into his mouth here, if in contemporary journals, haiku have become more about technical skills and less about the simplicity of the idea in the poem. So what's more important, technical skill or content? And where do you draw the line? Should you edit or go with spontaneity? Are modern journals featuring too many haiku that are losing their simplicity of content because they're working too hard on their technique? Is there an intellectualization of haiku? Should there be an intellectualization of haiku? Personally, I like simple haiku, which show consideration for technique, but doesn't shout about it. Lots of interesting questions. Thanks, Mark. Anyone else got any thoughts? So without any irony, let's look at another technique, narrowing the focus. Another so-called basic technique, and yet you can create wonderful pieces by using it. I found a definition by Ashley Capes that I liked. He says, Narrowing the focus can be achieved if you think of your poem like a camera. Begin with an establishing shot, then move to the subject for a close-up, and finally an extreme close-up, where the most telling detail of your poem is revealed. This technique is favoured by haiku writers seeking to establish an intimacy between subject and viewer, and can be useful in drawing attention to something seemingly insignificant, but which becomes poetic through either its position in the wider world or the lens through which the poet views it. 
actually I'd like to take the idea and redefine it and call it zooming in and out. Because I think this technique works both ways, both as a narrowing of focus and then if you turn it on its head, as a widening of focus. It also creates a certain intimacy used this way. I hope you'll see what I mean in the examples I've chosen for today. This one from Noel Egan. Inside the box sits a doll, shoeless. And Michael McClintock gives us this one. Summer afternoon, watching the sun move in a water drop. And from Robert Spies, wispy autumn clouds, in the river shallows the droppings of a deer. J.W. Hackett, the stillness of dawn, crashing between the branches, a solitary leaf. I came across these examples of narrowing the focus, and I thought they just were so clear, so simple, and yet so effective. And then remember I said, you can also turn it on its head, and it's still an effective technique. And I want to give you this one, another one from Michael McClintock, which does that. A poppy, a field of poppies, the hills blowing with poppies. What do you think? And now from me. These are my best from my week thinking about zooming in and out. Summer drought, under the laurel leaves, a dead blackbird. London streets, commuters dodging a blanket. Summer mountains, walking the ridge, two hikers. And so now a double treat, two guest poets this week. The first, as I said, is Su Wai Hlai. She's a nurse, currently working in Singapore, but originally from Burma, or Myanmar as we know it now. Like many of us, Sue uses her haiku and senryu to focus on the moment, to preserve it. She says, a good haiku should be one which is honest and like water which flows smoothly and softly in the reader's mind. Great definition, don't you think? She's also got some recommendations for us, for reading, and I'll put those in the show notes. When Sue's not working or writing haiku, she loves to climb mountains to run, to travel, and to undertake other creative pursuits, such as drawing and painting. And so for her senryu. Chimes of cathedral, I read the words of silent beggars. I savoured the contrast between the sound of the bells and the silence of the beggars, the implication of the richness of the church and the poverty of the beggar. I think Sue achieves what she set out to achieve, The images and the poetry do flow smoothly and softly in my mind. Thanks, Sue. I'm looking forward to hearing more from you. And if you'd like to read more from Sue, I'll put a link to Sue's blog on the show notes. And for our second guest, we're staying on the Asian continent, but we're travelling to Japan, where one of our regular contributors resides, Miniko Takahashi. Miniko inspires me not just with her language abilities, which are superb, and her work ethic, but almost every time we correspond, she starts my brain fizzing with new ideas for topics. And here is her work. In our hands, flowers remain longer than their fruits. I thought this was such a simple but clever observation, 
and I asked her where it came from. She said to me, What inspired me is the fact that we eat cherries so eagerly and quickly when they're put on a table for eating. But we admire cherry blossoms for as long as from the start of their buds starting to bloom to petals falling. And even after on the ground, feeling them with our feet as we walk. Of course, Minico lives in a country of cherry trees. For me, when I read this, I thought of apples. Watching the buds, through to seeing the blossoms flying in the wind and landing on the ground, and the pleasure of gobbling up the fruit. Thanks, as always, to Minico for your lovely piece. That's it for this week. Don't forget I'm still taking submissions of haiku and senryu on any topic as long as they're written using the synesthesia technique. The deadline's the 24th of August, please. Thank you to all of you for listening and for taking the time to get in touch. I honestly appreciate it very much. Until next week and another technique, keep writing. You'll find all the links you need on the show notes at poetryp.com. If something's missing, please just email me and let me know. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Take care.